0: Hi, everyone. I'm Lois Snyder, founder of Periwinkler's Architectural Millwork and Cabinetry and board member of the Cabinet Makers Association. I'd like to welcome you to Episode 9 of Pro Cabinet Maker, a monthly podcast produced by the CMA. Each month, we'll chat with some outstanding industry professionals about the issues and challenges affecting their businesses, as well as success stories to inspire. My guest today is Tracy Schroeder, owner and COO of Westside Custom Cabinets in Washington State. Previously, Tracy was a professional tennis player among the top 500 in the world. After retiring, she had other businesses, including moving to Dubai to teach other aspiring tennis professionals. After decades away from family and her home state, she returned to take over her father's two-man cabinet shop on their family farm. I'm looking forward to the discussion, so welcome to the podcast, Tracy. Thank you so much for having me. So you've basically taken over your father's business? Yeah, I'm a second generation cabinet maker
1: and my father, it was about a one and a half man shop when we took it over in a chicken coop that was about a hundred feet long, about 2000 square feet. Just he and one other guy and really just a guy and a half. And uh, not not making a whole lot of money. He had some contractors that were repeat customers, which is what made me want to be a part of his business at the time. Because I was offered to come in and try it. I had never been a cabinet maker before, but I've always had an interest in design. I was always interested in architecture when I was a kid. I used to draw architectural plans and things so this allowed a certain design aspect of my life I could try out so I took it over from him and he started teaching me what it was all about and and really I'm more on the business end of of it you know where I'm I'm marketing and I'm designing things and I'm doing the accounting and and the HR portion
0: let's see so you had about two years in and then there was a fire am I correct Yeah. So we
1: changed Westside Construction Services back in 2017 to Westside Custom Cabinets, because I told my father, nobody knows that a construction services company does cabinets. So we changed the name. So in July of 2017, we changed it. And then March of 2020 was when we had the fire. Yeah. And it, it was a total loss for our business. And I remember standing outside the building. While my guys were trying to run in and out with their fire extinguishers, you know, it was very warming to my heart that they were trying so hard. And I said, just get out, you know, just get, it's, you know, it's not going to make it, don't worry. But when you're walking around your property, looking at your guys standing there, you're thinking to yourself, I just know that they're thinking, I just lost my job today. And I'm so motivated and driven to be responsible for people and responsible for them i'm responsible for them you know i pay their bills and and aid in the happiness of their families you know it was a responsibility i wanted to make sure continued so i threw my father in the car and we went looking for properties while the building was still smoking
0: but that really turned out to be a blessing in disguise for you guys right It did because so the fire happened on March
1: 9th and we we drove around and the, the fire marshal who was there had said, you know, oh, you ought to look at this place. I think that there's a cabinet shop that might be closing or something like that. He didn't know a lot of information, but we actually drove to a different place first and then went over there and found what he was talking about. And they were leaving April 1st I begged and pleaded with the owner of the complex to please allow us to get in there because all we had to do was change, you know, with the county, we just had to change, you know, who was in there because they had a coatings department there and I could buy the guy's booth from him and we wouldn't have to be down for very long. And we were able to sign the papers on the evening of the 19th, which was the day before covid hit and no one was allowed to sort of be anywhere. So he kind of kept me on my toes on whether or not he was going to give it to me because he said, you know, other people in the complex, you know, usually get the first pick of what they want to do. So he really kept me nervous for quite some time, but we were able to get it. And then I was able to petition with the state to recover my business during that time, as long as we were within certain parameters of, of the COVID guidelines. So I had one guy in a garage by himself with his tools and another guy in somebody else's garage that we were renting from him. And then me in the shop trying to get all of our, our large equipment into place for when, when we were back up and running. And then one guy at home, the project manager at home, you know, on his computers. So, yeah.
0: So you had the fire and then you went right into COVID.
1: Yes. So the 9th and then the 20th, everything got shut down. Yeah.
0: You're in Washington state, so you were allowed to continue as an essential business? I petitioned for that.
1: Yes. And they granted me because of the catastrophic nature of what happened. They allowed me to recover it within certain parameters. Yeah.
0: Well, well, so otherwise you might not have been able to, so it was kind of a, a double blessing. Yeah, it was because
1: we had lost two projects that were going to be delivered the next day. And we had a lot of pressure on us because we had people living in hotels, you know, waiting for their cabinets and their remodeling of their home to be completed. So we had a lot of pressure on us to, to get things done. By the time all of the equipment was in place and the guys were working in their own spaces, we only were delayed maybe a week or two. And then by the time we were in our shop, we had no delays at all. That's incredible. Because everybody was shut down. So it allowed us to recover about a month's worth of work.
0: Wow. And your business model, um, you were saying that you do not do installation. So you build a product and someone comes and gets it. We're strictly a
1: manufacturer. We do deliver because we are about 70% contractor. So a lot of our contractors already do their own installs anyway. So we deliver it to the site and they install it. And because now we've had a very good relationship with a lot of the contractors that we work with, they know our product really, really well. And we also provide a lot of installation support. So that means that if we need to come on site and discuss with you how things should be put together, we'll do that, you know, and we'll, we'll aid in the install process with the installer.
0: So then you're basically directing the company at this point?
1: Yeah, 100%. Yeah.
0: We pay my dad to stay home. <laughs> <laughs> How did that go? Well, it took
1: it took a few years, you know, it took a few years. And he comes and he enjoys coming and seeing what's going on. And he participates in the meetings every once in a while. But I, I think that it's nice for him to be able to just sit back and enjoy what's happening with the company. But it really is unrecognizable to the company that existed before. Even when we were on the farm, this is totally unrecognizable. He wouldn't know what to do with the phone.
0: (laughs) At this point, he had a flip phone that he was so proud of. That's funny. So in my business, when I'm hiring people, I look for people who have a sports background, who have an art background, and they like math. And that's kind of my secret recipe for a hire. So I'm curious, what's your recipe looking to hire people?
1: Our recipe really is because we have hired a lot of green people, but our recipe is really to find people who have an interest in doing it, who are excited about what it takes to make the final product. So we've taken on people who just say, you know, I like building things with my hands and I I just love to see things, you know, when they get completed and to know that, that I have the ability to do this. So we'll take people on just for the sake of enjoying the labor, basically.
0: And do you have a particular type of project that you prefer over others? Like, have you developed a favorite at this point?
1: Well, I particularly like, you know, the custom work. The basic, medium-sized kitchen is great, but I do like the more complicated custom work that my guys really have to work hard to figure out how are we going to build this, <laughs> you know, because it's the most rewarding. And I've found that they have found it to be the most rewarding for them. We've had some really interesting projects where we've had to build doors that are more of a European style door that that have the cut out a channel in the back and that creates a handle and just the really special, unique Things where most clients are really apt to just get the basic kit. I like the non-basic, you know, where we really get to design it and design it together, and it might be a custom color, or it might be a custom stain, or it might be just some custom features. Those are the most exciting to me because it's almost like I could say they're Instagrammable, right? The ones that really show what we can do.
0: Gotcha. So you guys are basically 100% residential?
1: Um, I'd say we're about ninety percent residential. yeah, we've done doctors' offices and we've done um, work for the state, you know, with a lot of the thermal laminate products, but mostly, yeah, mostly residential.
0: Being a woman, do you feel that that affects the people that work for you? Um, have you had any issues with that? I can say I've had issues with it myself, so maybe you have and maybe you haven't.
1: I have not. I have not, and that could just be because I have a very young staff and I think that you can lead if you're capable. If they feel that, that, that you're capable, then they don't question you. If you treat them well and give them a say. In my company, any one of my employees can come to me with anything they want, personal, something negative about the business if they want. There is nothing that they can't come to me with that I'm going to be shocked about or get offended by. You know, they have a voice in my company, so I think that they feel well heard, at least I hope so. And so I haven't had an issue with being a woman amongst my staff. Do you have any women that work for you? I do, I have a new gal that's working with us doing a great job and she brings a lot of personality to the shop floor that we need you know because sometimes the guys can get a bit serious sometimes but she's doing a great job she's part of our assembly department and our delivery department at the moment quality control she's
0: doing she's doing really well and i guess what do you see yourself moving towards in the future your immediate goals automation automation for sure and
1: redundancies you know because right now we're going through some growing pains where we're we've become a bit of a medium-sized company And we've moved out of that mom-and-pop sort of feel into more of a manufacturing-driven vibe where I've had to kind of step back and say, well, what kind of a company do I want to be now? You know, within the parameters of what we've become now. And, you know, not to overwork my men so much that it becomes a, a, a misery for them. You know, some of the things that we're thinking about is redundancies, making sure that in case someone's sick, there's someone else to take their place. Automation will help a lot with multiple people knowing how to work machinery.
0: Yeah, cross-train.
1: Right, yeah. And just deciding what type of company we wanna be. You know, do you end up just saying, you know, just get back to work and produce, produce, produce? Or do we wanna take a step back and say, let's make it a little bit more personal and try and keep that connection between our staff so that they have a buy-in and they have an interest in making the company good, not just for you, but for themselves as well. You know, they're they're a part of this.
0: So how are you achieving that goal?
1: Well, one thing that we've done recently is the executive staff has started taking out one employee every Monday. And that's just really to shoot the breeze. I don't want there to be some level of anxiety coming with going out to lunch with the boss, you know, or the bosses. It should be, oh, I'm really looking forward to Monday, you know, and where are we going to go and and let's hang out and just really connect with them so that this doesn't become a corporate feel where it's us and then them on the shop floor. So I'm really trying to drive a, a little bit more of a, of a connection between all of us that way. So that's, that's one thing that we've done recently, along with, you know, I've taken them to bowling and. And we bring them donuts and coffee, and we try to think about them as much as we can. But I think that the thing that's having the most impact right now is just being together. Because when we were a mom-and-pop shop, I used to be the one going on deliveries also. So we have all that time in the car to sit and chat and just to connect and find out where we stand on things in life. And when you become more manufactured driven and you've got departments and their department heads and, and everyone's doing their own thing there's a real easy way of getting disconnected and also my supervisory staff also sort of keep a lot of the problems away from me which is great that's part of their job is to take care of things but at the same time what it does is it isolates me from the rest of the staff. So I'm trying to sort of interject myself a little bit more since I'm not on the shop floor and I'm not delivering anymore. And I'm, you know, we're going out on job sites most of the time. You know, I need to find a way of getting myself in there. For sure.
0: So how has sports affected your ability to run the company? How has it helped you develop a team?
1: Tennis has created a structure for me and a personality for me that drives me just as a personality trait. So what that does and the fact that I am so driven to do the best that I can and to be the best at what I do, this pushes my team to create the best product that we can and to be the best at customer service. And that's why we enter competitions. That's why we try to get things that are Instagrammable is because we are trying to be the best. We are doing the best for our customer. We're doing the best for our contractors. So my personality type as a professional athlete is to just be the best at it. And that drives my team to do the best I can.
0: Personally, my background, I was into sports before I figured out that I had a real skill at something, but I did team sports. So there's kind of a difference between your lone sport and say, being the captain of the volleyball team where you've got to have all your little fingers playing together. And for me, that's an important thing that I see with my crew. But I'm a little bit more, a lot more hands-on. I actually get out in the field and I'm there all the time. And that that really makes us quite different because there aren't a lot of owners that are out there side by side with their guys.
1: Right, right. No, it's just as you say, when you're in there, you prove yourself as a business owner. You're doing the same things that they're doing. You know, like when I was carrying hundreds of pounds of cabinets with them, it builds a trust for sure. And they respect you. Absolutely. How many staff are you?
0: Right now, we're seven. We actually had our largest job taken out by a hurricane. And uh, the hurricane hit, and we were supposed to be on site the next week. So we actually lost six months' worth of work. We're just recovering from that. And the jobs that we do are very large, so they take a long time. They might take a year or two years even to get organized. So it's a completely a different business model. So I'm actually in the process of regrouping and we'll probably end up around 12 people to do the work that we have now.
1: Yeah, we've looked into deciding whether or not we wanted to do, you know, RTA flat packing and just sort of explode, get larger and everything. But I, I think that that would probably make my staff really miserable. So I've kind of taken a step back from deciding to be a, a larger company. Having a good team, you, you want to keep that you know what I mean? And I'm not greedy. I'm not trying to, I'm trying to make sure that everyone's happy with the amount of money that they're taking home to their families every month. And so as long as they're happy and they have a path to greater things and making more money in the future with us and we're still doing better and we're and we're getting better, we're refining our, our process. I'm happy with that. I don't have to be the $8 million company that I originally mentally thought that I wanted to be. It's thinking about the the whole, right? The team and and them, and are you going to be able to keep the same team getting that large? Probably not, because they'll probably be super miserable, and you'll end up with a lot more staff, a lot more personalities that you're working with and that, you know, may not get along, and it would be, uh, again, another growing pain that would probably not be good. <laughs> for us at least
0: right are there things that kind of surprised you about the business that you didn't expect yeah that i would love it so much because
1: it's manufacturing we were producing cabinets and dropping them off you know so it wasn't at that time we weren't focused on marketing we weren't focused on building our business really into being something that was noteworthy. We just wanted to provide the cabinets and go, you know what I mean? And when I kind of took over in 2017, we changed the business model to focus on more high-end clientele, which allowed us to get into those details that made it super interesting for me. And we started computerizing everything um, where I started drafting and doing 3D design and stuff. Once, Once I started getting into that, and becoming more involved with the customer experience and being in sales and, you know, in in my background as well, it allows me to really do the things that I'm very good at. So, you know, obviously people enjoy doing things that they're good at. And I'm really good at working with my clients and making them comfortable and getting them what they want and then following through with that. Because that's that's the main thing is being able to actually provide them what they're what they want.
0: So you're working with contractors, but then you're going in and working with the homeowner and doing design work. Is that it? Yeah. So what happens with us, with a lot of the contractors
1: is they end up sending their clients to us because these cabinet packages are so complicated sometimes that they just say, let Westside deal with all the design work. Let them work with the custom features and the custom colors or the custom coatings and you know, they say you can work with the client with their door styles and all of this. So the contractor leaves it to us and that's the burden that we can take off of them. And that's, I think why they work with us a lot. It's a burden that they don't have to deal with. We just take that over. It doesn't cost them anything to do that. We're not charging actually our clients for our 3D work, our preliminary measures, and discussing the projects with the clients. And I think, to be honest, that helps us a lot with the trust that we have with our clientele. You know, a lot of companies will charge, and at no fault to them for doing so, because there are, you know, we, we will do a number of estimates that don't follow through, but we get a majority. The percentage of follow through that we get is a, is a significantly higher number than not. And I think that that really has to do with the trust that our customers have in us over another company, let's say, even ones that may be cheaper than us.
0: Yeah, there is still a huge sort of stigma around uh, hiring women to work in our industry. You just don't see as much as as we would like to see or believe that things have really changed. It's nothing that I've ever thought about in my business. You know, I just do what I do. But um, I could see that there is a lot of that certainly more women in the design aspect. That's a given, like you almost, you would expect that. Right.
1: Well, uh, again, I- exposure, you know, someone had told me recently that, oh, well, you know, the reason why it's so unusual f- to be a woman in manufacturing is because when you're children, you know, guys are more interested in, in the toys and the technical things, you know, and, and, it, you know, the engineering of, of stuff and women are a little bit different, like they're wanting to, you know, I don't know, go out and play or, or play with dolls or whatever. And again, like, I'll just say that it, it comes down to the human personalities and their traits in that you've got men who are really great in cosmetics and women who are more athletic or more interested in that you're, you're going to get the same personalities on both sides.
0: I think though that you bring up an interesting point because I think that's probably where we're seeing changes in today's world is that we're stereotyping less at a very young age. In other words, I never had a doll. That was unusual. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, but in today's world, you know, with the he, she, they, them, it's different. And maybe in 20 years from now, we will see changes, you know, because we're not seeing them right now. Not yet. If I was to add
1: one thing, I would just say that if you are a capable person, if you're a confident person, you know your product and you respect your customer and their needs and you listen
0: and you have an interest, you're going to do really well. Absolutely. So, Tracy, let's talk about why did you join the CMA or what benefits have you seen from it?
1: Yeah, well, a few years ago, we had gone to the show in Vegas. We actually didn't even know that you existed. We felt like we were sort of an island and that no one really knew what kind of a circus we were. And when we found you guys and we became a member, we became a member right away. Once we found out what what you were about and the fact that we were a a shop that could talk to other shops and that there wasn't going to be any weirdness with that, because, you know, there are some people that don't want to talk about their business, but you're talking to other businesses who want to talk to you. It was a big game changer for us, huge. They, what's your problems that that you guys have on my staff and I, we write down questions and we're just waiting for those, you know, so that we can find out what other companies are doing with issues that they're having in their businesses. So that was, and that was a huge thing for us to know that we were not an island and that we weren't a circus. That actually, we, we actually do have our crap together a little bit more than we thought we did. You know, it just feels chaotic when it's, when it's not that bad. And just to be able to talk to other like businesses has been huge, huge for us. Big big changer. We've been able to talk about everything from product to staffing and all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. It really helps to share your problems, share your issues and even share your successes. But when you're in the doldrums and you're having a difficult time and you hear somebody else say the same thing. it's quite the light bulb goes on. Wow. It's not just me. Like it, you know, I hate to say you feel better sharing your pain, but it seems to be, um, yeah, that has helped me a lot. Even to buy equipment, you know, like, like, wow, he's doing, that. I could do that. Well, you know, that's, right. that's a huge thing. And certainly. What share. flex lines, what flex lines are you
1: using and, and has it worked for you? And yeah, absolutely. Just, just talking about that product and dust collection systems. And it's been really amazing for us. And I would implore other companies to, uh, you, need, you need more people on the West Coast, I'm seeing.
0: We do. <laughs> well, we're trying.
1: Yes, yes. I, I Believe me, we talk about it. We talk about you. Um, in fact, I was trying to decide whether or not I wanted to become a member of the women in manufacturing here at our local chapter in Seattle. And I was talking about you guys there. And they were surprised at some of the things like, the what's your problem? They they don't do that, but it looks like now they are. Now they are going to do it, you know, because they were yeah. asking me, why would I be interested in joining with them? What would be my interest in doing that? And it would be to become a better boss and to become a better company and to become more informed and more trained. and. We're seeing that with the CMA and its transparency, a lot of these companies are becoming, are, are very transparent. They'll provide the paperwork, you know, on what they're doing, even down to the basics of HR and asking questions to staff, all of that is there. It's really helpful, very helpful to be that transparent. It really is amazing.
0: That's, it's awesome. Thanks again for joining us, Tracy. Thank you, appreciate it, thank you. And thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of Pro Cabinet Maker. Join us each month as we discuss trends that impact the woodworking industry. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you'd like more information about the Cabinet Makers Association, be sure to visit us online at cabinetmakers.org. See you next time.